if I was starting running crew now, it probably wouldn't be a running crew. It would be an organization that did lots of different things that were good for you. When I started running them, I was just so blown away by the impact that running had on me that I thought that was all you needed. The more you start getting into you know, wellness and well-being, you suddenly realize that running is just one very small component of all this other stuff that you could be doing. Hello and welcome to Levitate with Ryan Nell, the show where we talk to people who are changing the world for good. In today's episode, we're talking to Charlie Dark. Charlie's had an incredible career as an international DJ and signed musician, as the founder of Run Them Crew, an international phenomenon in the world of running, as a brand ambassador, as a proud father, and Charlie is now shaking up the world of yoga. In our super wide-ranging conversation, we talk about how vulnerability can be a superpower, the pressure of starting something at your kitchen table and sticking with it as it grows beyond your wildest imaginings, some of the challenges and benefits around building a community and why drawing a one-mile circle around your house might be the best thing you could do. Charlie is incredibly honest during this conversation. And that's something that I really, really love about him. It comes across in everything he does. And I'm particularly excited for you to hear this episode because Charlie is a huge part of the Levitate story. I met with him really early on to get inspiration and advice about how to start a community. And I constantly turn to him for inspiration when the going gets tough. So without further ado, introducing the one and only Charlie Dark. I'm absolutely thrilled to be here with you today, Charlie. Uh, it's been a little while in the coming. And yep. um, yeah, you've been on my radar for quite a long time, actually. So I've been a bit of a, a fan from afar. Um, <laughs> you were very, very kind to meet me for, a, I think, a coffee and, and a sandwich a couple, oh, yeah, a couple yeah. of years ago. Yeah, yeah, when you were just getting started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, um, I was sort of furiously noting down all the advice on how to start a community. Yeah. To get on going. It's Did not it work? easy. Yeah. It's not very easy at all. It's not. <laughs> it, takes, it takes a lot of hard work. <laughs> so um, before we get into that, I want to ask you about where you came up. I know you started in East Dulwich. Yeah, I grew up in East Dulwich in, in school in South London. Yeah. Spent a large amount of my time kind of in South London. And then I would say probably around 1985, started exploring. Exploring. Exploring via music. Yeah. So my love of music basically introduced me to areas that I didn't really know about or didn't know existed yeah didn't know if i was welcome and it just started you know i kind of got this real first for traveling around london and discovering new places you know and that was kind of really important and i think it's a really important thing where you live anywhere is to kind of really try and discover your city yeah 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 yeah. and explore it because you were a jungle dj i started off as a hip-hop dj oh you did actually yeah and then got into playing all different types of music but i was signed to a label called moax yeah in the 90s and so kind of got into a lot into electronic music heavily around that period of time mm. playing all forms of music and then obviously it was like you know jungle kind of descended on london in the yeah. early 90s i was definitely fully into that <laughs> <laughs> there was quite a big rave scene in london yeah time. there was a really big rave scene and there were and it, 
prior to the rave scene, there was like a warehouse party scene that was yeah. really interesting. Kind of, um, again, that introduced me to different areas of London. Mm. Like I'd never been to East London before mm. until I went to a warehouse party. Yeah, it was like a no-go area. I'd never been to Brick Lane until I went to a warehouse party. And invariably, what would happen is you go to these kind of events, stay until the sun came up, because it was really hard to get home if you weren't driving. Um, and then you would kind of explore the area that you were, you'd ended up in, or the yeah, person's yeah. house that you ended up in. I, I can remember ending up in Old Street for the very first time and just thinking, "This place is like surreal. It was so <laughs> weird." Back in ninety, like early nineties, it was so barren. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I kind of, I, I remember it, I suppose I moved to London in mm, 2005. So yeah, where were you before then? A little bit later, um, living out in, in Taiwan for a couple of years. As one does. As, as one does, studying <laughs> Chinese, that, that's a yeah. story for another podcast. And um, uh, yeah, and then before that, Hampshire. Okay. Yeah, which is like, I feel like an adoptive Londoner, but um, 2005, Old Street, Shoreditch, they were already becoming yeah, very they were, cool. they were definitely on their way. Yeah, unaffordable and full of bankers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I had this warehouse and it's so stupid now, but I had this warehouse in Old Street mm. uh, from about 95 to 98. Oh, yeah. And then, um, and the guy who owned it was like, okay, I'm going to sell this place. You can have it for 85,000 pounds. It was like a thousand square feet. <laughs> and we were like, oh, you know, it's a bit expensive. <laughs> You know, because it was still a hole. It was oh, still a hole of yeah. yeah, a yeah, massive warehouse. Yeah, I dread to think what how much that place is worth now. <laughs> but hindsight is a you know is a wonderful thing. But it's twenty twenty. Yeah, <laughs> got to keep moving forward. <laughs> you too, you too. But you had a whole music career. Yep. Yes, um, Asuka Blues and yep. Sony and Mo Wax. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, are you still are you still DJing now? Are you still making music? Yeah, I'm still. I took some time off. Mm -hmm. uh, Start getting anxiety attacks. Yeah, like in panic attacks when I was DJing. So, um, and this is probably about about 12, 13 years ago. So I kind of had to just take some time out. Yeah. And I kind of started getting back into it maybe about three years ago, three, four years ago. First of all, start getting into make you know, back into making music again because I completely stopped, really falling out of love of it. And then, yeah. um, and then kind of got started getting back into DJing and buying records. And now I've got a radio show and yeah, back in the music mix. Which is quite interesting, but it's back in the music mix on my own terms, which is a much nicer place to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The whole musical landscape has changed now. Right. So the way you make music, the way you release music, the way you collaborate is completely different. Yeah. And yeah. that's really refreshing. Yeah. It almost feels like the, the labels are, they're pretty incidental for a lot of musicians. Um, yeah. You know, I think people are very unconcerned about how a song was made, mm. where in the world it was made, what it was mixed on what label released it it's really very much kind of if it's good we like it and if it's not then it's kind of just goes into the heap of the other numerous tracks that are coming <laughs> out at the moment rounds, yeah and so are you writing anything at the moment yeah i'm in the middle of working on a new project which is kind of um because time is limited and i'm getting on in age you know i'm very very conscious of the fact that whatever i do yeah has to kind of have some purpose of some sort and kind of consolidating ideas. Yeah. And also trying to, you know, not expend energy in areas which are not going to serve me. This is the wisest growing up. So, yeah, so I'm making this, which is a long way of saying that I'm making this project, which has got lots of different strands. And at the moment, we're just kind of boiling them down into a thing that we can take around the world. 
Oh man, amazing. <laughs> That's the idea, is to yeah. kind of take this thing that kind of brings in all my different influences. Really what I should be doing is making an album about running. Yeah. But that's the last thing I want to do. <laughs> I just really don't want to do that. Everyone keeps saying to me, yeah, you need to write a book about running and you need to kind of make an album about running. I'm just like, ah, uh, I don't know. It feels like a job. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, when, uh, when did Run Dem Crew get started? 2000, end of 2006, early 2007 mm-hmm. is when it began. And um, I just kind of, I never thought it was going to grow into what it has grown into. Yeah, it, that was never the aim. It wasn't this aim to grow this organization. I, I really was just like, you know, my friends keep dying. They keep getting sick, ending up in hospital. Our lifestyles that we're leading are really unhealthy. We need an intervention. We need to do something. Mm. And then also, you know, as a, is well documented, I, I kind of start to miss people because what happens when you are successful at what you do is then you then start making more money and then you also start traveling a lot. Yeah. So then you're just chasing your friends around the world. You're never in the same place at the same time. And so it was just an attempt to kind of bring people together. And I've always liked being bringing people together. And I think I guess that's the skill that I've learned from DJing. And um, I was just like, okay, cool. And, it, um, you know, every day I wake up, yeah, I, I feel very, very blessed that Rundum Crew has grown into the kind of institution that it has. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, as you know, when you have a thing that you've grown, it does become a bit of an albatross at times. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like... Well, we're, we're multidimensional. Um, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I do have days when it gets to Tuesday and I'm like, oh, God, it's running great. <laughs> oh, um, you know. Yeah, because you guys, um, I mean, but it seems like, you know, you're obviously an incredibly creative guy. So you can just yeah. keep on evolving it. Yeah. Right. So yep. it, it seems like it's had all sorts of different shapes and sizes. And um, you're in Brixton Street Gym. Yeah, we're in Brixton Street Gym um, now, kind of back in the community phase. Yeah. yeah which yeah, is yeah. a really good place yeah. to be. And um, it's been really interesting moving back to Brixton and seeing the different types of people who are coming down. Mm. That's really interesting as well. And. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited by the collaboration that we have going down with Brixton Street Gym. It kind of makes a lot of sense for us. And it's good to be out of shortage. Yeah. You know, it's good to be tucked away where, you know, there's not really too much attention on what we're doing. We can kind of just get on with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> under the radar. Yeah. Although I kind of had the sense that Brixton Street Gym is going to become something quite... I mean, big, Brixton Street Gym already is, is something you know, big. Yeah. But I think the concept of what they have, because it's so brilliant, I think that's something that's going to spread globally definitely yeah you know yeah definitely that'd be really lovely to see mm. yeah i love it down there it's good then we need to get you down there yeah, yeah, yeah. they could do they need some meditation in yeah. the place yeah well yeah <laughs> no I'd, I'd love to um yeah. i in a very like yeah kind of wearing a different hat yeah. used to work in a creative agency called champion in brixton okay and um we did a uh we did this whole like series of kind of like branding for them it's kind of pre-brixton street oh gym. nice wicked You've had various associations with very large sporting labels. Uh, <laughs> I like the way you diplomatically put that. Yeah. Yeah, that is really cool. <laughs> That's clever. How is that? How does that work? Is it a, I imagine it's a bit of a double-edged sword. Uh, maybe not speaking about the current one, but... Um, the current one that I'm with is lovely. Yeah. Um, they're really lovely. Really, really lovely. And I think what happens is it takes you a bit of time to find your tribe. Yeah. You know, um, but definitely working with major sports brands or major brands in general can have some amazing plus factors 
and then some also really frustrating lows. Yeah. Because they are like, like large cruise ships. They take an incredibly long time to turn. And, um, mm. you know, so I've worked with sports brands since 2007. Some of it has been lovely and amazing. And some of it has been quite, you know, quite hair pulling yeah. at times. But yeah. I'm in a good place at the moment. Mm. I, like, I, like, I like the brands that I'm working with at the moment. They're really, they're really cool. Yeah. But it's taken a while to kind of weed out the bad ones from the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> it's a process, yeah. I suppose one of the, the things going on there is they'll, they'll want a certain version of you which isn't necessarily the you of a particular day. Yeah, it's not really. I don't know if it's even that. I just think the ideas that get talked around, around the board table mm. often sound really great around the boardroom table. <laughs> yeah. But in reality of life, they just don't work. Yeah. And that's really hard, you know, yeah. to get people to understand that. And then also, I think, ultimately, end of the day, they ultimately, they want to they make money. That's their ultimate thing. Yeah. And I like making money. But I also like helping people. Yeah. And I like building communities. Yeah. I like maintaining them. And so at some point, you always come to a loggerhead. You know, you start pulling in different directions. And it's cool with, if you're working with people who understand mm. and also come down and get involved. Yeah. But when you're working with people who kind of almost like you're working with remotely, so they're kind of judging everything you do for the Instagram lens because mm. they're actually too scared to actually come down yeah. and participate, then life just gets really hard. Yeah. And that's the one thing I like about, you know, the brands that I get to work with now, because, you know, we just brought this rule in. It's kind of, we will not have a conversation with you. We will not do any work with you unless you come down. Mm. If you don't come down, then we can't do it, you know. And I think that's because I don't think that brands realize the impact, both positive and negative, on communities that they mm. can have, mm -hmm. you know. And a lot of the problems that we have in the world right now, particularly in London, are caused by brands. Yeah. You know, and yeah. unfortunately, you know, lots of them won't take responsibility for their actions. So I have a love hate relationship with yeah. the whole kind of brand, you know, brand yeah. thing. But, you know, obviously it's kind of, you know, it's great when you're first starting out, when you start an idea and then you get recognized by, you know, a major corporation. It's kind of, that's quite exciting. Mm. So, um, my advice to anyone. Good for the ego. It's good for the ego. You know, it definitely is great for the ego. And particularly if you've grown up in kind of inner cities. Yeah. You know, and you get to work with like the luxury bands that you've aspired and have been told by society that, you know, those are the brands that give you kudos by wearing them, by being associated with them. When you then enter into relationships with them, it's kind of mind blowing for the ego. It's like, I've made it. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. but it is really hard. Mm. And some are easier to work with than others. I, my advice I say to everyone is, you know, write down what your own personal brand values are. Yeah that will give you an idea of whether you really want to go and work with X, Y, Z. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, but at the same time, sometimes you have to do a Robin Hood. <laughs> you know, you have to kind of work with the devil so yeah. that you can basically, you know, feed the poor. You have to do it. Exactly. You know. You're, kind of, you're cleaning the money as it comes Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. That's a really, that's a really, really super interesting thing to think about. Did, did um, I was thinking about the kind of, that that ego thing and the and the confidence boost of um you know working with someone massive yeah. um and the implied what they're saying about you when yeah. they when they get into that relationship, you're born to Ghanaian parents. Uh, yeah, I've I have got Ghanaian parents. Yes. Yeah. They're also a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> it's a blessing and a curse, depending on what day of the week it is. Yeah. Most of the time, it's a blessing. But sometimes it can definitely be. <sighs> uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Culture. I think culturally. 
being brought up in some situations can be really hard when you're trying to kind of push the boundaries of what you can and can't do. Yeah. Definitely when I was younger, it was really hard. Yeah. But in some ways, you know, it was a blessing because it meant that you worked twice as hard to prove that, you know, this crazy idea, this out of the norm idea that you wanted to do would actually work. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 (laughs) And, And were your parents kind of encouraging of you pushing boundaries? Or was there a sense that kind of, why can't you just, um, yeah, I mean, my mum's always been quite rebellious. She's the rebellious one <laughs> of the, is, yeah, yeah, she's the rebellious one of the family. So she's always, she pushed her own boundaries to get where she got to. Yeah. I think with me, I think after she actually realised that this guy is really serious about this mm. and this is what he wants to do, then, you know, the encouragement always came. Yeah. Definitely when I was at school, it was about academia. It was yeah. get as many A's as possible. B's are not allowed. Yeah. You might as well leave the country if you've got a C. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, C's a serious conversation. C's was yeah. a serious conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it was, it's, coming back to your original point, you know, about the brands, it is really, um, you know, it's, it's kind of amazing when you go home and you're like, you know, I'm working with the BBC or I'm working mm. with British Council or I'm working mm. with, you know, this sports brand or that TV station and so and so forth. You know, there is a, you know, you can see this kind of flicker in their eyes of, okay, there's no, this is something yeah. we can call home and boast about. You yeah. know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think ultimately at the end of the day, I think parents just want you to do well. Mm. And I think one of the things I didn't realize when I was growing up is the amount of trauma that your parents have gone through particularly if they've come from another country yeah. and, and resettled. Yeah. And they've come with these hopes and these dreams. And then they have children and they're raising children in a world that is ever changing. And I think it's actually quite hard for them to basically accept the fact that this dream, this path that they've been working to lay out for you is not the path that you're going to take. Yeah. And it's, and it's not your dream. And yeah. it's not. Yeah. yeah and yeah, I think yeah. that's, there's a yeah. real kind of like shock. And I was like, Wow. You know, so, and yeah. I, and I, I think you know. Again, these are lessons that I've learned from becoming a parent myself, mm. where my children do things, and I'm just like, why are they doing that? Yeah, and you're like, ah, because you did that as well. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so really, the common really, element is rebellion. The common element yeah. is rebellion. You know, rebellion all the way. <laughs> I was definitely a rebellious child. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I'm yeah. still rebellious now. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm the son of immigrants, so a little bit less exotic. Yeah. But where your dad, parents, where? dad came over from South Africa. Oh, amazing. Germany to South Africa to right. here, and nice. mum came from Ireland. So, okay, yeah. cool. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> pretty, pretty short journey. But um, it was amazing seeing their different styles of parenting. My dad, yeah. is, you know, he'd say himself, he wouldn't call himself a strict authoritarian guy, yeah, but yeah. that's sort of yeah. his style. Yeah. You know? yeah. And then mum um, was all nurturing all yeah. caring yeah. you know all about yeah. the storytelling and the rest of it yeah um, but um you know the more i learn the more i realize they were massively rebelling against what their parents kind of did for them exactly time, exactly so. but you never think about that actually it's kind of it's like when i hang out with my you know when i hang out with my kids and mm. there's always a comment about what i'm wearing it's always like, what are you wearing, Dad? That's always one thing. And then the second <laughs> thing is kind of... What's they want you in? Like, a, Well, they just want me in the kind of, you know... Yeah, they want me in a grey tracksuit. <laughs> you know, V-neck. Very plain. Yeah. You know. But there is definitely this thing where they're just like, they don't believe I was ever a teenager. Mm. And that's really funny. Yeah. When they do things and you're like, well, I know what you're doing. I was a teenager. I did exactly the same thing. And they just can't imagine you not being their dad. Yeah. That's really funny. Yeah. So it's funny when you meet people who know me from, you know, either music days or running and they're kind of talking to me and they're not talking to me like a dad. You kind of look down and your kids are looking at you like, what is, like, these two are really weird. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's got to be good for them to see that, though. 
you know. I think they're just immensely embarrassed. You know, yeah. immensely embarrassed by it. Yeah. There's this thing I'm with this guy. He's just like, well, can't we just have a normal dad? <laughs> Sorry. You won't understand now, but you will understand <laughs> soon. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> and and where, what what's their mum do? Their mum works, teaches um, design and technology. All right. In school. She's a big graphic head. Yeah. She's like the big kind of, I'm the music guy. They're the kind of like the graphic people. Both yeah. of them play music. Both of them play instruments. One of them's really into photography. One of them wants to be a pro gamer. Um, and yeah, you know, I've got pretty cool, cool kids. They turned out pretty, pretty well. I'm quite happy with them. Yeah. Really happy. I'm very, you know, really proud of them. And they, they're doing well. They don't give me any trouble at all. Mm. You know, so. But again, you know, it's, it's difficult because you are trying to kind of nurture them whilst at the same time introducing them to the world at the same time keeping them safe and at the same time allowing them freedom and allowing them to make their own decisions and, oh. it, and, it, and no one gives you a blueprint for being a father it's kind of it, yeah. that's really weird I just thought yeah. that it would be like the movies and it's so not like the movies at all mm. really not Really, really like those edited highlights. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. The dad said just the right thing at just the just right, the right time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's really weird. Yeah. Um, what do you wish that you knew then that you know now? You know, kind of when you were starting out as a father. Wow, that's what, a what good would, question. I wish that I had done my yoga teacher training before I became a father. Yeah. One, I would have had something to help me cope with the change mm -hmm. secondly i think doing my yoga teacher training just changed my mind state completely yeah and i just wish i had that mind state coming into because when you're having kids you know and you are involved in the creative industries you see your friends and they're, they're coming down to the events and the gallery openings and they've got the kids and all dressed up in all the cool gear and they're yeah. like sleeping and you think, oh man, it's going to be really cool. Going to get these two little mates that's going to walk around town with them and be really cool. <laughs> and then they, they arrive and it's kind of not like that. Yeah. And you just realize the sleep deprivation, no matter how many midnight or late night or all night DJ sets you've ever done in your life, nothing prepares you. The sleep deprivation is so unreal. It's crazy. Yeah. And also just this idea of responsibility that comes when you have children. And there's a really weird day where you suddenly realize that these small people who you helped make actually think that you know what you're doing. Mm. <laughs> and they're looking for you for guidance. And you've got no idea. Yeah. So classic, if I, you know, a classic, classic thing. The first time you have mice. Kids were running around the house. Your missus is running around the house. Everyone's running around. And everyone's looking at you like hmm. Batman superhero. Da, 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 he's going to come and save the day. Come on, daddy. You're going to take care of the mice. You're going to get rid of the mice. You're going to do the yeah. thing. Like, you're just sitting there like, oh my God, I'm terrified of mice. And I don't, I don't know. What, and I actually don't know what to do. Yeah. And everyone here thinks I know what to do. <laughs> and that's kind of, you know, you ha it's a series of these things that happen where kind of tire breaks down on the car. Yeah. And then everyone's like, it's okay because daddy's going to go and sort it out. And you're just like, uh, I don't know how to change the car tire. <laughs> I can know how to program a drum machine. I don't know how to, you know. So I wish I was more practical. Yeah. There's loads of things, you know, that, that I wish that I knew. Yeah. You get a bit of practice looking after younger folk, doing run them crew and kind of building that. that yeah, but it's, it's, it's different. It's really, really different growing, you know, your kids from they've just arrived through kind of toddler years yeah school you know to, to run them but something they get to run them you know in has its different challenges 
it's kind of weird because I think when people arrive at Run Them, mm. when young people arrive at Run Them, they're looking for help. You know, they've arrived at that point where they're like, I need some help in my life and I've heard yeah. that you or this organization can help me. So I'm going to be open. When it's your own kids, it's just a natural thing to rebel against what your dad is yeah. telling you you should be doing. Mm. It's kind of, why am I going to do that? Mm. And so I've just really just come to the thing now where it used to really kind of worry me. And now I just kind of, I just relax. Yeah. I'm just like, cool, great, brilliant. You don't want to do your homework? All right, amazing, brilliant, cool. <laughs> Let's see how that goes Let's for you. Let's see how that goes. It goes for you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then like two days later, you get the call, like, dad, I got detention. Like, oh, really? Okay, cool. We'll see how that goes for you. <laughs> Let's join the dots. Yeah. yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. It's kind of like one of those things where it's like anything, like having to be angry mm. with a situation where you're actually kind of like, I can understand why you did that. So, I'm actually not that angry, but society's telling me that I kind of have to be firm with you right now. Right. But really, I'd just be like, okay, you know, don't do it again. Yeah. So there's always this push and pull. Yeah. Because I always remember kids at school who had those super relaxed parents. You go around there and it's like they could come in and out whenever they wanted to. You walk into their bedroom and they kind of graffitied the whole room. It was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know. What are they like now? They would never eat what their parents were eating. It was kind of, it was always people sleeping over or living there. <laughs> I just always wondered, like, what are they doing now? Yeah, right. Actually, probably kind of married and, you know, got 2.5 <laughs> children and kind of gone yeah. really corporate. In fact, yeah, most yeah, of the yeah. ones I know who were super rebellious, that's actually what they did. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird that. Yeah. looking for more boundaries than they had exactly yeah yeah <laughs> well i think the truth but as far as i've been able to work out you, you can't get it right yeah so yeah that's it and i think one you know one thing that yoga's taught me is not to focus so much on things that haven't happened yeah not to worry myself about things in the past that i cannot change and just to enjoy the now yeah and that's been a real mental shift in my whole being yeah it's been really cool Mm. and that's one of the things I say to people who come down to the yoga studio is kind of like it isn't really about the shapes that you make with your body no. it's about how it makes you feel but there's this this thing if you can capture this thing of kind of just taking each day as it comes and enjoying the day for what it is enjoying you know then some magic can happen yeah, yeah it's beautiful yeah that's kind of um, my thing but you know it's hard I don't know how you find do you find it easy to get people into the meditation studio Mm, yes and no okay you know they, they they're kind of they come in their hundreds yep that's been nice yeah there you go yeah but obviously yeah trying to get the ego out of the way yep but i think they've they've overcome all kinds of resistance to getting through the door in the first place yep sometimes i feel like a catholic priest so there's a whole <laughs> it's like confessional yeah we all have to go yep. through first you know um people telling me about you know so where, where they've got a label for it like, yeah. i'm depressed i'm anxious i'm on these pills or those pills or whatever yep. lost someone um, yep. broke up someone something's going on yeah then then there's another subset who are just curious yep. explorers yeah like honestly doing it a bit of almost entertainment um, <laughs> yeah, yeah the the people kind of really need it the ones who stick around and yeah. um that's amazing because then i get to see them go on a bit of a journey, journey yeah yeah. And um, so it's a bit like you. I'm always trying to get across that I'm not living like a totally mindful existence. Yeah, no. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> really like funny. meditating my way through yeah. the days. Uh, mostly I'm, you know, running around like a blue ass fly. As it's amazing, isn't it? Say, you know, yeah. just going, yeah. ah, how am I going to get it all done? Just buy more beads. Yeah. Buy more beads and incense and stuff like that. Kind of, <laughs> well, all of that yeah. stuff helps. You know? Yeah, yeah, you know, no, definitely. It kind of gets you in the mood. But Have um, you heard the RZA's meditation album? No. Okay, so this is that's my tip for you to check out. Yeah. So RZA from Wu Tang Clan. Ah, oh, nice. Has done an album about meditation. 
You no can way. listen to it on your streaming service. Yeah, I want to <laughs> streaming service. <laughs> of choice, yeah. yeah, but it's, it's it's actually and it's really. I've been talking to a few med- meditation teachers about it. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested to know what they think. Yeah, because it's actually you know as an entry level, I've never meditated before. It's kind of really interesting that there are these people who are kind of really unlikely people who are getting into meditation yeah. now. And that's what I really like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, really, really yeah. like. I'd love to be, become a meditation teacher. I'd love to. Yeah. I'll talk to you about that later. It's, um, oh, man, I, I get a lot out of it. And I'm always saying to people, like, I, I, I don't have anything to teach you. I mean, yeah. I do. I do have yeah. something to teach. But yeah. um, we're trying to unlearn a lifetime of bad habits. Yeah. You know, so if it's... Uh, well. There are new arrivals, right? Like there's always new, you know, Netflix wasn't around. Now it is. Now it, it, it takes so much of my time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I shouldn't say that. Yeah. But it's true. Um, Can you imagine? But, it's funny, actually, because I, I was thinking about that, actually, because I just binged watched Hunters. Yeah. And um, I was just thinking to myself, like, back in the day, there is no way that you would just sit down and watch, like, 25 episodes of EastEnders back to back to back to back to back to back to back. Impossible. You just wouldn't yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. It's just really weird now. Was, it was sandwiched by something yeah. less yeah. good. I think it's really interesting how time has become such a precious commodity now. Yeah. And how it's taken up by so much stuff yeah. that wasn't there before. Like I, I took myself to the theatre this week in the afternoon. And that was a real like thing. I kind of felt yeah. really rebellious yeah. doing that. Yeah. And it was just kind of, you know, I just think I really wish I remembered like pre-Netflix, pre-MySpace, pre-internet. Mm. Just like, what were people doing? Pre-mobile phones, like, what were people doing? Yeah. I definitely don't remember, you know, I kind of will have times where I go and spend like a, an hour deep dive in YouTube, kind of getting really obscure. Oh, yeah. And I just think to myself, like, what was my equivalent of that before? Yeah. Probably actually I was just spending large amount of times in the studio. Yeah, yeah. Right. right. Now right, you can right. kind of like do your yeah. Pre, yeah. pre-studio before you're in the studio. You know? yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I used to I used to read a lot, got a lot of yeah. books here, but now yeah. they're just they're like they're decorations, you know. Yeah, and I you... keep on acquiring them because I'm a bit of a hoarder. Yeah, but, um, but yeah, the the time for reading it seems like it's so precious. Yeah, yeah, it's weird weird with books actually because even I always feel like if I'm if I read a book if I if I listen to an audio book I feel mm. that it do, I don't absorb it as much. Yeah, as reading it, but then there's always this thing of like, where am I going to put the book? Now I just buy books and read them and give them away. Yeah, that's the oh, thing. That's nice, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to. Well, I've got you know my, my missus is kind of real like. Okay, so you've got seven copies of Ian Fleming, Moonraker, <laughs> first edition to the latest. You don't need all of them. You need to get rid of them. That's probably good for you. That's probably good. Yeah, but I do, I do, I, I do like a first happens. edition book. It's yeah. funny actually. I think once you start getting rid of things, mm. once the floodgates open, it's quite easy. Mm. I think it's quite easy. Yeah. I did a massive um, clear out a couple of years ago, kind of a lot of bags, bin bags to charity. It's you know, very that, tidy that felt in here. great. I kind yeah. of, I am, I mean, as a meditation teacher, I suppose it has to be Zen. Yeah. Do you find though when you're, when the space that you're in is crowded, that your head feels crowded? Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, my, my head has no problems like crowning itself. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You put me in a cave and it'd yeah. be complicated somehow. Yeah. So. <laughs> Have you found this stuff with, with mindfulness, with yoga? Has that yeah. been helpful for your own um, sanity? It's, uh, it's been the best thing I have ever introduced to my life. Yeah. And I can't believe that it took me so long to actually find out about it. Yeah. And then to accept it into my life. 
obviously when you do your yoga teacher training, it's kind of, you know, it starts with the hardcore meditation. They've got you in there. It's like half six in the morning. It's freezing in the studio yeah. and, and really you're meditating. It's like they, you know, they deep dive you in. Mm. But I just found for me, I just had this really weird epiphany one day where I was just like, dude, this is like the best drugs in the world ever. Yeah. And it's free. No come down. And it's no come down. And I can access it at any time. And it's inside my body. Yeah. How do I not know about this? It was right. like a real thing where I was just like, oh man, yeah. yeah. It's amazing. I, I just, it's amazing. And, I, and, I, and, I, and again, I feel quite empowered mm. by taking time out of the day to go and meditate. Yeah. I feel really kind of like, yeah. I still haven't learned how to take a good meditation picture though. Can't be done. It can't <laughs> be done. <laughs> I've had a few, um, yeah, kind of photographers. Um, someone wants to like film me, film me teaching, and I'm like, you do understand, I'm going to be sitting still <laughs> with my eyes closed most of it. Close your eyes, make love to the camera. You could do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it's, it's, it's funny. Uh, yeah, meditation is like. How long? How did you get into meditation? Like, yeah, so um, pretty poor mental health. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was doing all right. You know, yeah. I had a sort of successful advertising career. Uh -huh. but, um, yeah. yeah, battling anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Attacks. Yeah. 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 Um, lots of like hiding in the hiding in the loo at work, right? <laughs> you, got, you got like a thousand people on the floor. Yeah. They're all super kind of um, alpha types. Yeah. Like very, very extroverted. Yeah. I'm very extroverted, but then I've got this shyer side as well. I know and, that feeling um, well. Yeah. That manifested in me. Yeah. Literally kind of like runs the loo chill out in there until I kind of felt like I could face the world again yeah. and uh, you know so I was doing all the wrong things actually because yeah. there's sort of escaping it rather yeah. than dealing with it yeah. rest. but um, yeah so I started uh, doing a bit of mindfulness and meditation and CBT yeah. and of all the things that was the one that I loved right. I felt like I could do on my own yeah. and um, yeah it's more like not meditating than meditating I've got yeah. to say like, yeah. you know, I kept going back to that career and yeah, um, yeah it took a while before I was going to like I'm going to start my own thing and it's going to be a meditation studio and I'm going to try and kind of democratise it yeah. I suppose in the way that Headspace yeah. just democratised it but, yeah. um, but like in the real yeah because there's something kind of qualitatively different about it. I mean, I think it's amazing, you know, sitting on a cushion and, and meditating. Yeah. <laughs> your eyes closed. But I think the point of it is to connect. Yeah. Um, yeah. My little working theory, just not original, just stolen from other people, really, is that, uh, you know, w what we think of as spirituality, well, everyone's going to have a different answer for that one, but um, we, we want it to be really complicated. It's going to involve slaying some dragons and covering some serious ground before you get there. Um, I kind of had this hunch that cats, animals are just, they are spiritual. Yeah. They, they've got what we want. Yeah. Um, and it's not more complicated, it's simpler. Yeah. <laughs> they're yeah, actually yeah. in touch with their bodies and their emotions. And, you know, if they're hungry, they're hungry. If they're tired, they're tired. So that's what I mean by trying to kind of unteach people yeah. um, and connect to our bodies, but I think also connect to the people around us. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, definitely. So the more I did it, the more kind of connected I felt and specifically doing it with people. Yeah. That's how we, how we ended up here. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool, man. Yeah, um, really cool. You talk a lot about a kind of like a one-mile circle, like drawing a, a one-mile circle <laughs> around your, your house. Yes. Um, what's that about? Where's, where's that come from? It's just this idea that if you draw a one mile circle around your house and you then you kind of have a look into that circle and see what within that circle 
you can serve and help, yeah, I think interesting things start to happen. So I think it's really interesting, like particularly one of the classic things we get with people who, you know, they move into an area that's been gentrified. Yeah. Don't realize that they're part of the problem or the gentrification. Mm. And then don't know any of their neighbors or any of the people who were displaced by the fact that, you know, they've yeah. moved into the area. Yeah. And then there's this weird kind of like thing where they live in the area, but don't really, they live in a house in the area. They don't live in the area. Yeah. It's kind of island. Yeah. They, they've made. Yeah. And I, my thing is always mm. just kind of, you know, draw a circle around your house a mile, you know, find out where the nearest school is. Yeah. You know, get your check, your, you know, your CRB checks, go down, offer some time and help. You know, if you've got kids who are hanging about in the neighborhood, make them some cakes. Yeah. They're probably hungry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> you've got some old ladies in the, in, you know, in, in your roads. You know, go and buy some flowers. I, I just think, I just think that lots of people were living in, say that they feel lonely and they feel displaced and they, you know, yeah. and they, they feel disconnected, but actually you're not doing any of the things that you need to do to connect with your neighborhood. So a really simple thing, next time you go into the shop to pay for your stuff, yeah, put the money in the person's hand and see the reaction, yeah. see what happens. Like yeah. really small things like that. Yeah. A smile, a how are you, opening the door for someone as they come into the corner shop. You know, it's just kind of, I just think they're really small things that you can do. And if one did this small little things, then, you know. So my thing is if, if everyone did a mile, then that soon kind of grows yeah. into a, like a bigger kind of circle of influence. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, mate, that's, that's beautiful. I'm, I'm just old school. Like, I, just, I guess, again, it's because. It is old school, but it's, um, yeah. we need to bring it back. We do need to bring it back. But I think when I was growing up in South London and I was land, I'd say I was landlocked. Yeah. to a mile area you know the boundary was my school and then you know the other boundary was the market and those were the two so i just had to explore everything in between those boundaries because i wasn't allowed to stray beyond them so that's i guess where's where it came from yeah yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. know your area inside out yeah yeah <laughs> we had a we had like a street party here um or like last summer oh, amazing and it was it was amazing but it was terrible as well it was like some <laughs> kind of apartheid going yeah, on yeah know? Yeah. Um, it was a street over. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the end of the street that I kind of swung into, but all the bunting up and um, and the stores yeah. and people are like, you know, it was very sweet. They've grown pot plants and they're yeah. kind of, you know, like, come and get a pot plant yep. and the rest of it uh, and games for kids and whatever. Yeah. And then there was like a, a barbecue up at the end. Yeah. Of the other end. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> no, yeah. no bunting. Like, yeah. But I'm like, well, what's with the bunting? And yeah. say, oh, well, we, we told them it was going to be down this end of the road. Oh, right, okay. Sort of like the message. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And I think as well, you know, I think the thing about gentrification is like, it's coming, it's here, yeah. it's coming to, you know, it's sweeping through the world. And I think that actually, people almost need to be taught how to interact with yeah. each other again. You yeah. know, because it's kind of what's really I think is really interesting is like whenever you go into a place where you feel like you're intimidated by being in that place, what you have to understand is that those people are intimidated by your presence as well. Yeah. And so at some point you have to find a middle ground. Yeah. And some discussion, you know, and then it's kind of, you know, and then I think it's really amazing what happens as a result of that. But I think one of the problems that's happened is there are no longer these spaces where people can come together mm. to do something. Right. And yeah. so, you know, I grew up in warehouse party 
rave culture, which yeah. was all about, you know, we all church. love music. Mm. So we're going to find this big space, the biggest space we can find and about yeah. as many people as we can to share this experience. Yeah. It doesn't really happen anymore now. Yeah. Well, where do you, I mean, it probably, it does, but it happens under corporate banners. Yeah. So I think it's a bit different. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I think it's really, really yeah. different. I, I went to Printworks the other day and it was, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm still trying to keep like yeah. one a hand in things. But um, who'd you go and see? Um, so DJ Koze. Okay. And um, drum bass. Floating you know. Point. Uh, yep. And uh, Max Cooper. So, okay, like, cool. Yeah, it's like very kind of credible. Yep. Oh man, it, it was amazing. It was yeah. amazing. But the but the getting there was like this whole yeah corporate experience. Um, it was yeah it was crazy. You know. Yep. Queuing for an hour to get to a very intense search yeah. and then you're in and then you're queuing for lockers for another hour. Yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. Like, why is that bring my bag? Yeah. And Primworks <laughs> is like a long tunnel as well. Yeah. It's kind of a bit of the odd, yeah. odd, yeah, odd, odd vibe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I did. I, by the end of the night, it felt very kind of connected. You yeah. know, it's, there's 3000 people in a room. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, it's rare. And, um, I think maybe there's something kind of going on where what our families and villagers would have done for us is now, well, it's not there because we all, we all atomized. Yeah. But we haven't entirely lost it because we, we, we're surrounding ourselves with people we love, right? You know, so kind of like almost yeah. building our own families. Yeah, but I, I, but I think we're quite blessed in that we are surrounding ourselves with people we love and we are yeah. surrounded by people we love. A lot of people don't have that, no. you know, and I think... And that's a cosy bubble, isn't it, really? Well, I don't, I, think, I don't think it's necessarily people doing it by choice. I just think it's one of those things that can happen. Yeah. Because obviously the thing with, with social media is kind of you take it for granted that everyone's okay because you see the highlight reel, mm. you know. So you're not really knowing what's really going on. Although I like that in your, in your social media, you are vulnerable. Oh, yeah, def- I have to be. Yeah. Because, you know, after, after a while, I mean, I think that what happened to me is after I kind of had the big kind of, major label record company DJ experience. Yeah. The burning emerging from that kind of the embers of that just meant that I just thought this next time around, I'm just going to lay it all on the line. And then once you realize that people are actually listening to what you've got to say and really following what you say, right. Then you realize that you have a responsibility to be vulnerable. Yeah. You got to show people what's right. really going down. So one of my things at the moment with, with you know, particularly with Instagram, mm. Just because my mental because my mental health is in a weird place at the moment, mm. maybe because I'm you know I'm going to be fifty this year, which is amazing, epic. But at the same time, is a bit like oh my god, like how did that happen? Well, it's not even that. You just start thinking to yourself, okay, hold on a minute. So I'm going to be fifty. Might need to really start thinking about what I'm actually doing, what I'm going to be doing. Mm-hmm. You know because. Now you talk to people and they're like 20 and they're like, you know, they don't really have to think about this stuff. No. When you get to my age, you kind of have to think about it. But then also, so one of my things, you know, is not really kind of using the social media. You know, I'm not posting every day anymore. And, you know, I haven't been really been on Instagram stories with myself on there. Mm -hmm. Just kind of just trying to protect my self a little bit more. Because it's also really, I had a stalker, you know, for two years. That was really weird as well. That oh, kind of three things. Yeah, yeah, you know, that was kind of a bit like, oh, this is really annoying. Yeah. Just like, stop being annoying. Yeah. And then um, also that weird thing where you see people and you don't know them, but they know you and they know everything about you. Yeah. 
it just kind of starts to freak you out after a while. A bit spooky, like, yeah. yeah, it's a bit spooky. Yeah. Just like you're like, ah, oh, okay, yeah, maybe I need to be. It's a dev- it's a double edged sword. I think it's a really hard one because obviously there are people who kind of they rinse their social media, yeah, and they you know they're highly successful as a result, and then there are the people you know like burial ghost just yeah. don't see them at all, yeah. And I think it's weird, you know, it's it's just hard to kind of find your space. Uh, it's, it's really, really hard. Yeah. Yeah, really hard to find your space. Mm. You know, there's definitely been a lot of, um, when, I think when you're self-employed as well, you don't hide in the office, you hide in your own toilet, you don't hide in the office toilet. Yeah, right, <laughs> just like, right, right, right. You know, but I think it's, yeah, it's kind of, um, but yeah, vulnerability, I've always been quite a, you know, a vulnerable person. I, I think it's one of my superpowers. I definitely yeah. was one, you know, one of the first people to start talking about publicly about mental health i can remember yeah. kind of you know i was with the sports brand who shall not be mentioned and um <laughs> kind of woke up one day and was just like you know what i kind of don't really feel great and i'm going to tell the world i don't feel great and then went to sleep woke up and then the world had kind of been like oh my god i can't believe you talked about mental health publicly just like yeah right. was, why wouldn't you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we need more people to do it we do know? But then I think what's happened now is it's kind of become a bit kind of like a social currency. It's like I've seen that, yeah. you know, and I've got mental health. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, it's like so. I think it's almost swung the opposite way. Yeah, it's like a pendulum. It's like a pendulum, <laughs> yeah, swinging from left to right. It's kind of really, you know, it's it's kind of um, it's hard to get right. But I I think somehow you managed to um, you know, I, yeah. I think you can't go wrong with being authentic. That's it. Unless That's you have very, very yeah. objectionable views, you know. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because having children will keep you authentic. Yeah. Because they are so, particularly when they become teenagers. Yeah. Because they're so unimpressed by things that would previously would make your ego get out of control. <laughs> <laughs> I was on a billboard. Yeah. I did a thing for Bumble. Bumble Biz. It was on a massive oh, yeah, billboard. I, I was like, yeah, yeah, it was in yeah, Peckham. Yeah. I was in yeah. Shoreditch. It was all over yeah. the place. That's and I was with my kids. I took them down there. Like, you know, we're going to go see the thing. Big surprise. My daughter was just like, oh, is that it? Yeah, anyway, what are we going to have for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> and it was really funny, actually, because I just had a moment where I was just like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. That's cool. It. That's it. You know, on with the forward we go. <laughs> so, you know, it's good. <laughs> So now I, I want to be mindful of your time because we're... Um, I've got time, I've got time. It's cool, yeah. it's cool. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, so, you know, I, I want to ask you, having just said that you want to be a bit more guarded, I suppose, about yeah, yeah what goes out, what goes yeah. out on social media, well, mm-hmm. the same goes for podcasts, doesn't it? Um, is there something you wish people knew about you, you know, that you didn't have to keep on saying? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I wish that people understood despite the fact of what I do, you know, and I'm kind of outgoing and a gary- quite gregarious person, mm. you know, I'm still quite shy. Yeah. Definitely. I still have imposter syndrome. You know, it's de- definitely, I walk into situations where I think, oh my God, these people think I know what I'm talking about and yeah. they're going to pay me for me to tell them what I'm talking about and I actually don't know what I'm talking about or I don't think I'm qualified mm. to tell them. I still have that. Um, I have fears you know, um, struggling with masculinity, I think in, in present time is hard, you know, like I'm not like some super alpha male type of dude. That is not me. Yeah. At the same time, I'm not kind of, you know, the opposite spectrum. So trying to find your place in the middle is hard. Yeah. I think yeah. actually one of the things that people don't realize is when you start these ideas at your kitchen table and then they grow into these big things, it's a large amount of pressure mm. to kind of keep turning up for it 
and keep being there for people and to keep trying to evolve it and to keep trying to protect it as well. And I think that's really, I just think people, in fact, I know people just don't understand the conversations that you have that are offline Mm. that they will never know about, Mm. you know, and the extent that you have to go to to maintain an organization this big and to keep everyone happy. Yeah. It's really, really hard because you're dealing with a large amount of egos. Yeah. And, you know, and the one thing about running is, you know, once you run any form of distance, Mm. your ego is immediately inflated because you've just done this thing of wonder. It's kind of, oh, yeah, you just ran 26 miles. Go and take the rubbish out. I'm not taking the rubbish out. I just ran 26 miles. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's kind of, you know, it's really hard to kind of deal yeah, and still had to show up and have that enthusiasm hmm. for it, you know, because you're the one leading. Yeah, how do you recharge? Well, one of the things that I've been doing to recharge is trying to fall back in love with the things that I was into when I had the freedom to fall in love with things. Yeah. So, retracing things I was into when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. when I didn't really have any responsibility and getting back into kind of reading books and reading comics and hunting for records and going to the theater and kind of, you know, yeah. going to the, just kind of yeah. things I would do when I was in my teens and I didn't have a mortgage and kids and random crew and responsibilities. Right, and right, I was right. just DJing in my bedroom and that was cool. Yeah. And, you know, learning to dream again. Yeah. And part of this new project that I'm working on is about kind of rediscovering things that make me happy and yeah. not having to share them. Yeah. With the world. That's another one as well. Yeah. And one, you know, one of the, if I, if, if I think back now, I mean, I love the fact the impact that running careers has, but I actually, some, there are some days when I wish, I wish I'd never told anyone about this. Mm. Because then. You wouldn't have to do it. You, well, it's not so much you wouldn't have to do it, but you wouldn't have to basically do it to the extent that I have to do it. Yeah. Because I'm responsible yeah. for a large amount of people. Yeah. And, you know, on the good days, that's great. Mm. But there are some days where you're just like, actually, you know, I'm really trying to focus on myself right now. Yeah. And I don't have the brain capacity to focus on, you know, but because I've created this situation and this movement, I have responsibility to basically be there. Yeah. You know, once you turn it on, it's very difficult to turn it off. Mm. That's a good question. Like the queen. It's a a job for life. Exactly. Yeah. I don't like mice. (laughs) Petrified (laughs) of mice. Petrified (laughs) of mice. (laughs) Absolutely retrofit the mice. We've got building work going on in our house at the moment, yeah. in, in the houses on either side of us. And just like, and so you like, you just suddenly randomly, I'm sitting there watching TV, mouse just runs across in front of me. The dog did not move at all. In fact, he looked at me to be like, what are you going to go and do about that? <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Call exterminator. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's kind of, that's a, that's a good question. Actually. I mean, there's so many things. Yeah. I just think people don't understand as well when you've grown up in the Bermuda Triangle and I call it that, you know, I went to a very posh private school. Mm. My parents are from Ghana. Mm. Most of my friends going up were from Jamaica. Trying to find yourself in that triangle of who you are was really, really hard. You know, like, who am I? I know who everyone else wants me to be. Who am I? That was really, you know, it's really hard. And it's still to this day something that I struggle with. Just trying to, you know, be me. Yeah. But those clues might be in, in those things that you loved doing when you were a kid you know, yeah. before all the responsibilities came yeah. in. It was Canadian doctor Gabor Mate. 
don't know if you come across no. him on YouTube, um, I'd send you a link. He's he's awesome, but he he talks about addiction, but he's going he's got a very kind of broad yeah. definition of it, and it is um, anything that you keep on doing that causes you to disconnect a little bit, and then you keep on doing it even though it's caused that disconnection, and. Um, so he's got this interesting take. Firstly, that we're all addicts, whether there are any substances or yeah. you know any, anything involved. We're all we're all addicted to something. But that recovery is really about recovering your young self. Ooh, that, that I like little, that. Little Charlie who never actually went anywhere. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Just disconnected from it a little bit along the way. That's good. I like that recovering who you were before. Yeah, I always say that when like when you come out of a bad relationship, rather than spending yeah. time crying, actually spend some time reco- rediscovering who you were before you got into the relationship. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's always a good thing. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before this gets too deep, and um, do, do, you, um, do you have anything you want to plug? No, not at all. I oh, mean, I, I, if anything, no, not at all. I kind of, you know, I just, one thing I've realized, I kind of went into yoga. Yeah. I became, you know, when I retrained to become a yoga teacher, I kind of went in and I'm like, right, I'm going to remix the wellness world. Mm. I'm going to remix yoga. I'm going to strip it apart and put it back together. And I'm going to take it to the people who really need it. And I'm yeah. going to randomify yoga. What exactly what I did to running yeah. is what I'm going to go and do. Anti-running, anti-yoga. With yeah. the yoga. Yeah. And actually what I've realized is people just come to it when they're ready. There's effort required to take it to the people and you can create those situations. But the interesting thing, particularly now, you can create all these situations to try and reach the people that you're trying to reach. Mm -hmm. They will only come when they are ready. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Because that used to be really freak me out. I'd be like, man, you know, I trained to become a yoga teacher to kind of take it to the people, but the people aren't coming. Why is that? What can I do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just realized, you know what? It's just relax, Charlie. They're going to come when they come. It's like we run them, you know, I've got friends who every time I see them, yeah, man, I'm coming running next time I'm, I'm going to come, I'm going to come. And I'm like, it's 14 years now. <laughs> You're not coming. And that's right. okay. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I've got nothing that I plug. I just, you know, if anything, one of my reasons why, you know, I wanted to do this show mm-hmm. is I think that meditation is really important. I think it's something that everyone should be doing. I think it's something that, a skill that should be accessible to everyone. Yeah. And so... By doing this, I'm hoping that, you know, people who follow me who don't know, you know, any of this stuff who are like, I'm not running, I'm definitely not doing any yoga, actually sitting in their house on a cushion might do them some good. Like can manage. Yeah, yeah they, can, yeah, yeah, they yeah. can manage. And that's, you know, that's okay. You know, it's funny. It's, I was actually thinking about this. Like, if I was starting Run Them Crew now, mm. what would it be like? Yeah. And I actually thought to myself, it probably wouldn't be a running crew. You know, it would be an organization that did lots of different things that were good for you. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, definitely. When I, when I started running them, I was just so blown away by the impact that running had on me that I thought that was all you needed. It's like the cure. Yeah. 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 And then I, you know, then, you know, mm. what, the more you start getting into, you know, wellness and well-being, you suddenly realize that running is just one very small component of all this other stuff that you could be doing. Yeah. Well, you know, that's my thing. Amen to that. And yeah. yeah, same with same with meditation. Brilliant if you're meditating, but if you're not moving and you're not eating well, then yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just gonna, gonna be an, so much. an unhealthy meditator. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah. What's like. the most amount of people that you've ever done a session for? Uh so I had seventy five people in a room. Okay. A, um yeah, big kind of corporate client, yeah. big ad agency. But it felt good actually. It felt good to kind of go um terrifying 
yeah. know, personally. Yeah. I used to be so scared of public speaking, so kind of getting in front of a crowd like that, it's like, oh yeah. my God. But good to kind of go back into this industry that I thought I never wanted to yeah. you know, step through the doors again, yeah. just to kind of go back wearing a different hat. Yeah. Kind of go, you know what, I've got something of value. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Mm. I did um, a thing in Australia with this guy called Menage Diaz. He's like one of the Lululemon yeah, yeah. Um, meditation. He's like a meditation guy with Cause, mm. the artist, underneath the Cause statue. It was 200, 300 people turned up. It was like, <laughs> and it, was, it was really weird. And it was kind of, it was really interesting, actually, just kind of meditating with that amount of people. That's amazing. It was like really, really cool. And then obviously because... It was, you know, in conjunction with the cause exhibition. Yeah. There were loads of people who came, not because they wanted to meditate at all, mm. but because they wanted to be first in line for the shop. Meditation was the price of entry. Meditation was the price of entry. <laughs> but they got really into it as well. And that was really cool. Oh, so, no, that's yeah. amazing. Well, I, yeah, I think, um, you know, the more I see what, what, what you're doing, there's so much kind of cross-pollination going on. The yeah. running and the yoga and the music and the, all the community yeah. stuff that kind of goes around it. Yeah. I mean... I, I think I'm in a good space. I'm lucky. It's inspiring, man. Keep doing what you do. Keep doing what you're doing. I mean, I'm, I love it when people come and speak to me about ideas and then you see them actually go and do them yeah. and bring them to life. And that's really, you know, this, your whole journey, I've, I've been like, this guy's going to open a meditation studio in deep South London. Okay, we'll see how that goes. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's been really interesting to see, you know, to see it coming together. Thanks, man. It's been really, really cool. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Nice. So I want to say a big thank you to Charlie for his participation in this episode. I found it really, really powerful hearing his thoughts on authenticity, on the responsibility of being and showing your vulnerability, on how candid he was as well about the difficulties and challenges of being a dad, the power of drawing a one-mile circle around your house and really taking the time and effort to engage with the people within it. But let me know what you found most powerful in the comments. And do me a favor, hit the subscribe button on the podcasting service of your choice. Leave us a rating or a review or share this episode with a friend who you think might enjoy it. Again, I want to say a huge thank you to Charlie, also to my brother Nick Nell, who did the music for this show. I also want to say a big thank you to this show's sponsor, Levitate. Levitate, in case you don't know, is a meditation and well-being community. We teach individuals, groups, and companies how to find clarity, calm, and connection in a world of distraction. If you're interested in finding out more about what Levitate does, just head on over to www.levitate.london, and we will catch you back here for another episode soon.